And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. K-I-R-P Radio! When you're looking for real truth, real talk radio, make sure you log on to KIRPRadioShow.com. Sunday nights live, 8 p.m. with your host... Rocco P. This is the last Sunday night of the month, July 31st, 2016. I am your host, Rocco Pisercio, Rocco P., I thank Pudgy Miller for the opportunity to use this platform once a month. Uh, tonight, tonight, I'm going to discuss what a lot of people are discussing, and that's the general election coming up in the fall. Some things have, in my mind, been clarified since both the RNC and the DNC. Uh, in the past, I was on the Trump train. I have gotten off the Trump train. I will explain that to you why. A lot, of, a lot has really, in my mind now, made sense. Uh, a lot of people have said said during the primaries, Trump could not win. And part of the reason I, and I believe many others, were attracted to Trump uh, was twofold. Uh, number one, it was clear he wasn't scripted. He spoke his mind. You may disagree, and I certainly did. <laughs> Many people would did disagree with things uh, Donald J. Trump had said, but you could never say, oh, "Well, you know that guy that that's scripted. He's wrong. He's just reading a script. He's he's uh, he's canned. He's just he's just saying what he's been told to say." Virtually everyone else in the political arena, left, right, center, if you believe those distinctions, uh, do come across, particularly the higher the office they're running for, as completely scripted and artificial. Whether that is uh, yeah, Hillary Rodham Clinton, uh, who I re- affectionately refer to as Killary, uh, whether that's uh, Rafael Ted Cruz, they all, they all come off as, in my mind, as completely fake and scripted. Uh, and of course, there'd, there'd be some differences in yeah, how they communicate, but most people running for office, particularly the higher in the office, I'd say, it's uh, it appears you know completely fake. And I think that's because it is completely fake. <laughs> it's, it's contrived. It's not a. Uh, it's not real in the sense that people uh, people are not uh, people. People that run obviously have an agenda. 
there's no doubt. But the higher you get, uh, the more the more is at stake. So they make it difficult, the system that exists, particularly a two-party system where they control voter access. What do I mean by that? Uh, we have a constitutional republic. We're really living in the shadow of what was constitutional republic, not a democracy. As has been said, democracy is uh, two land is uh, uh, a wolf and a lamb deciding yeah, who's what they're going to eat th- that night for dinner. Uh, the wolf wins, even if it's <laughs> especially if it's two wolves and a lamb. Really, democracy: two wolves, one lamb. And uh, really, uh, a, a, a democratic republic would be two wolves and a well-armed lamb deciding what they're going to eat. <laughs> the majority just doesn't always rule. But the point is they they contrive, they manipulate the public by giving us limited choices and by giving us false choices. They give us limited choices and they give us false choices. Limited choices, we have, not by law, uh, but by custom, we have a two-party system, meaning any anyone else can enter the political arena and either start a political party or work with uh, a, non, a political party outside the the, uh, the realm, outside the bounds of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Okay, that that's a given. But the laws that be make it extremely difficult to get ballot access, to actually get on a ballot with your name with another party. It's very difficult to do it as an independent. In other words, to put your name on a ballot, to get your name on a ballot, to give people an opportunity to vote for you, apart from any party affiliation, is normally even more difficult. Again, the higher the office, the more people have, the more names you'd have to get for a petition, very state by state. Now, that system is inherently corrupt. And let me explain that that's corrupt because there shouldn't be really much of a limit. People would say, well, would you want a ballot? You know, would you want a ballot that was, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 pages long, and my response would be, uh, I'd want a ballot pretty much with everyone who is willing to run. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd take it. Uh, the government wastes so much colossal amounts of money, so the reason we don't have you know, 8, 10, 12, 14-page ballots isn't because the government wants to conserve money. That's, that, that, that's not why. That's similar, for, for example, when you look at the way... Uh, uh, our wars work in the Middle East, these illegal wars. Okay, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, uh, only Congress can legal, legally declare war. That hasn't happened since Romania as part of World War II. Okay, that's the last legal constitutional war the United States has been involved in. All right? uh, since then, these wars have been illegal. In the Middle East, in Iraq, the U.S. and the Second Iraq War, at one point they stopped counting civilian casualties. They just stopped. Now, the reason the U.S. military did that, it wasn't because they wanted to save money. <laughs> they did that because it was an embarrassment to say how many civilians had. Uh, we don't really know to this day. A very conservative number, very conservative, would be 600,000. It's probably you know, much higher. It's probably well over 1.5 million. We, we just don't know because they decided not to, uh, they decided not to count civilian casualties. Same thing. Uh, when it comes to electoral races, they want to limit choices. When Ted Cruz, for example, when, when Trump was beating him in some states, uh, you had certain commentators uh, who would want to say, well, what we have to do then is every state should have a closed primary. In other words, in order to vote in the primary 
Republican primary, you'd have to be Republican in order to vote. In the Democratic primary in your state, you'd have to be a Democrat. And think about how, how ridiculous that is. They want to limit the people that could vote. I mean, let's say you like a particular candidate, albeit Republican or Democrat, and you're either independent or not in one of those parties, particularly independents. So, I mean, independents are growing by leaps and bounds, unaffiliated. Why should you have to join the party just to vote for someone you want to in a particular race? It makes no sense. But, but it, it does make sense if you want to limit voter participation, if you want to control the ultimate outcome of races. I think every, I mean, if you're going to have federal election law, I think it should be a free-for-all. In other words, there should be no limits. Every state, anyone should be able to vote in any primary they want, period. It should be wide open. So then some people would say, well, then you'd have, you could have people, you could have Democrats, you know, choosing uh, Republican nominees and Republicans choosing Democrat nominees. And I say, who cares? If people, if people are motivated to do that, yeah, let them do it. Let them do it. The parties, the parties again, we basically have a, a single party. Uh, that appears you know, in, at two different levels. They, they play the reality. They play us off one another, saying it's left versus right, liberal versus conservative, uh, Democrat versus Republican. In reality, they deliver the same. It's the same form, fit, and function. It's a different package, different marketing. Uh, case in point, you can look at former Democratic Senator Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman from Connecticut. Joe Lieberman was Democrat if it was all his life, certainly, I believe, all the time he was in the Senate. But at one point, one primary, he lost a primary in Connecticut where they have a lot of independence, and he lost to a Democrat that ran, surprise, surprise, as an actual anti-war candidate. So Joe Lieberman lost the Democratic nomination. What did he do? He ran as an independent. He won the general election. Now, he didn't return to the Democratic Party, but the point of the story is this. He never changed any of his positions. He ran as an independent to just get elected. And it's the same Joe Lieberman, if you remember, who then endorsed John McCain for president. But they say there's you know, there's this huge difference in the parties. Again, the rhetoric is different. You know, Republicans will say they're for limited government. Uh, and then you know, the <laughs> that there's no control in spending. The Republicans will say they're pro-life. And they do virtually nothing to stop abortion. Of course, they could stop it uh, a variety of ways. Uh, you could pass, you could simply pass a bill uh, in, the, in, in the Congress saying human life begins conception. Okay, at the worst, the worst that would happen would throw it back to Supreme Court. Who, who doesn't have jurisdiction anyhow? Uh, states could, uh, states are not compelled to obey Roe versus Wade. But you have both people in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. They're in essence statists. They're statists. In other words, they believe in the ultimate power of the state. So they don't want to upset or change a system that uh, that was going to take power away from them. Everything's about concentrating power. Everything's about divide and conquer. Everything's about giving us false, false choices. Which brings us to the current election we'll be facing in the fall. We have Hillary Rodham Clinton. Uh, and she is part of a legitimate crime family. Uh, the Clintons are, have been, were, and are terribly corrupt. I mean, just horrifically, horrifically corrupt. Uh, if you're not familiar with Benghazi, uh, yes, there was a stand down. Uh, there was a stand down. U.S. ambassador was killed. Could have been prevented. Why? I don't know. We don't know all the facts. We know part of the facts. We know. 
uh, U.S. intelligence was funneling arms from Benghazi to the so-called imaginary moderate Syrian rebels, <laughs> who was just like yeah, al-Qaeda light. So you, you look at foreign policy, it's foreign policy that was championed by Hillary and Obama in, in Libya. They deposed Gaddafi, and now they have a government that's far worse, far more dark, a far more wicked, radical Islamic government. Exactly what they're trying to do in Syria. In Syria, the stakes are different, though, because Russia got involved. <laughs> but the illusion that the U.S. was trying to overthrow Syria but not support al-Qaeda at the popular level, that was pretty much exposed as uh, as complete lie and total idiocy, you know, complete fraud. So we know that's what Hillary's, Hillary Clinton's foreign policy is uh, more the same, same Georgia, George W. Bush, same as Barack Hussein Obama, uh, totally believing in illegal wars, uh, giving the president more power. Obama bombed Libya, and then he sent a letter to the Senate to just let them know, hey, guys, I just want to let you know what's going on. So even with an unconstitutional declaration of war, even if they fund it, uh, that's not right. But that still gives Congress some ability in the process. doesn't even happen anymore. Uh, doesn't even happen. I could have pulled up the video tonight in of a former de- uh, defense secretary, uh, and that was uh, Leon Panetta. Defense Secretary and then Director of Central Intelligence at CIA, and Jeff Sessions, uh, who Trump did not choose as Vice President, grilled him when uh, Leon Panetta was before the Senate. And uh, Jeff Sessions asked him a simple question: On what basis are you saying the U.S. is going to commit military forces and go to war? And uh, Leon Panetta said, you know, without any hesitation, well, based on uh, either NATO or uh, or uh, the UN. So they don't even hide. The, they really don't even hide the tyranny anymore. That's just, you know, the Constitution is an afterthought. You know, we're living in the shadow. As I said before, we're in, we're living in the shadow of what was a constitutional republic. So it's, uh, it's not anymore. It needs to be restored. It needs to be restored. I was excited initially about Donald J. Trump. Uh, he was saying some things other candidates never said. As I said before, one of the reasons, even when I disagree with Trump is that it appeared he was genuine, he wasn't scripted. But as far as the issues, Trump Trump had some great core issues. Uh, he claims he still does. Uh, that's hard to believe. That's hard to believe with the selection of Pence. But Trump uh, Trump was saying he was against, uh, he was against the illegal wars. Uh, we could prove that years ago, I believe he took out a full-page ad in the New York Times opposing the Iraq war. So there was, though Trump was all over the map in a lot of areas, he wasn't on that, and and the reason, the reason to me, I believe, the illegal wars, that this is such a crucial issue is this: not only does it involve life and death, it really involves our domestic policies. Okay, if you have, uh, if you believe in this idea, this you know, wicked, horrific, pernicious idea of a global war on terror, which isn't constitution, you cannot declare war on ideology. You can't declare war on a tactic. If you believe that, then the U.S. would be involved. You can never say when the war on terror is won. How can you say a war on ideology is over? So you're not only believing in illegal war, you're believing in perpetual war. Furthermore, that ultimately then makes 
life in the U.S. a police state, and we are living in an unfolding police state. Uh, if if you think I'm exaggerating, you just do some research on the 2012 NDA, 2012 National Defense Authorization Act. Obama, in typical political fashion, lied. Uh, he said he wouldn't sign it, and he did. And what happens is that there's technically a loophole in the Constitution. They didn't say outright there couldn't be a stand, there couldn't be a standing army. So the way they wrote the Constitution, there's this loophole, which essentially says for two years after a cessation of a conflict, uh, there would have to be appropriations. You have to pay war debts, things like that. So what they do, they play the game every two years, is they have this, what they call a National Defense Authorization Act to fund the military. And they say defense again, too, that that's also Orwellian. I mean, this is newspeak. This is, this is mind control. Uh, we don't have a Department of Defense. What we have is a permanent Department of War. Why do I say that? At, during World War II, a Department of War was established. At the cessation of World War II, it never went away. They just rebranded it. <laughs> it was just some marketing. It became the Department of Defense. And there's a lot of bad legislation happening after World War II National Defense Act that made the structure of war permanent. The Department of War then became the Department of Defense. The Office of Strategic Services became permanent. They called the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency. Joint Chiefs of Staff became permanent. So all these things happened post-World War II. And then in the 50s, then the icing on the cake, so to speak, with the National Security State was the NSA. And by law, the NSA always has to be led by either a general or an admiral. So not only are we in an unfolding police state, but uh, the fact that the military is involved at the top, I mean, it's not even hidden. The CIA, for example, is, you know, based upon law, it's not supposed to uh, be interfere. It's not supposed to interfere with anyone, uh, any U.S. citizens. It's not supposed to be involved domestically with you know, U.S. policy or anything. It's supposed to, CIA allegedly exists as a component, intelligence component, of the military apparatus for, you know, for espionage to protect U.S. interest. But it has been used and is being used against the U.S. public. If you ever hear the word conspiracy theory, for example, uh, that's been used repeatedly. So you're having a debate and you know, whether you're talking about the Kennedy assassination, uh, whether you're talking about 9-11, and uh, you go back, you go, you go back, you go back to the Gulf of Tonkin in the 60s. Uh, if someone says, well, I don't believe the official story, whether that's based in regards to the evidence, then you just write that person and say, oh, well, that's conspiracy theory. Oh, that, that, that's, that's, in other words, you could dismiss it. You don't have to discuss facts like World Trade Center 7 falling at free fall speed, though it wasn't hit by a plane. That's a uh, conspiracy theory if you think that was controlled demolition. And, of course, it was controlled demolition. Uh, how did we get this phrase, conspiracy theory, ingrained in popular culture, and how is that used as an intellectual defense mechanism not to discuss facts? That was thanks to the CIA. After Kennedy was assassinated, I mean immediately, on the spot, of course, that was pre-internet days, but obviously there's newspapers and it was the uh, early days of television. Immediately, investigative reporters, a you know, variety of people, saw there were serious discrepancies in this idea of a lone shooter. Lee Harvey Oswald, supposedly you know, the lone gunman. 
Um, then get, he he gets shot by Ruby. Uh, great rule. Um, you want to cover something up, assassinate the assassin. But facts facts came out from day one. It didn't add up. It didn't make sense that it was a lone gunman. So this was gaining ground in the popular culture. And the phrase that people were using was, we have to talk, we're talking about different assassination theories, assassination theories. The CIA then intentionally used their influence, which is pervasive, as is the Pentagon's. And, as, and again, you can see the CIA as part of the Pentagon, uh, in one sense, not independent, but as a part of the package deal, the national security state. But the CIA used their influence with the corporate media to say, uh, we want to really demonize, they say they want to demonize and ostracize people talking about assassination theory. So use the phrase conspiracy theory. Someone thought, started talking about, no, don't, say, don't ever say, don't say assassination theories anymore, JFK. Make everything conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory to demonize it. And uh, it largely worked. In Latin, they used the phrase argumentum ad hominem, attack the man. Uh, not the position, not the argument, argumentum ad hominem. Yeah, ad hominem attacks. Attack the man, uh, not the argument. And uh, it's very effective. You know, you be talking to someone regardless of, regardless of the evidence you have. Uh, someone just says, well, that's conspiracy theory. They shut you down. It's just they're, they're done thinking. It's over. They uh, they believe in their mind because they've used the label. Then that gets that they think they've won an intellectual argument because yeah, they've just, in their mind, they've derided you. They, they, they've made fun of you, so they don't have to think. It, does, it doesn't matter, again, World Trade Center, 747-story tall building, fell at free fall speed, no plane hit it. It's not, it couldn't have been a controlled demolition. It, it was actually a bunch of office fires, and we don't know how they really started, but that made a, that made a 47-stall building steel frame collapse at a free fall speed. And if you believe that, I'd like to sell you that little bridge that connects Manhattan to the borough of Brooklyn. I'll get you a great price. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. I'll talk about what I think uh, what I think is happening in this race, what to what to expect uh, going forward, and why I think really why I am no longer on that uh, that Donald Trump train. How many more innocent people? How many more? How many more? What has been the number one cause of unnatural death in history? Democide, or death by government, has killed 290 million people on record. Look it up. Go look it up. In the 20th century, government murdered four times as many people as were killed in all the international and domestic wars combined. USSR, 61,911,000 people killed. Hitler's Germany, nearly 21 million people killed. Japan's imperialism. Nearly six million people killed. Western colonization killed over 50 million people. Pol Pot's Cambodia, funded by the U.S. government. Two million people killed. China's Communist Party, as many as 76 million people killed between 1949 and 1987. And the list goes on and on. Demand to know why the Department of Homeland Security bought more than 1.6 billion hollow point bullets. How many more people does government have to kill? Enough. Enough. Demand an end to citizen disarmament. As an American. As an American citizen. As a patriot. For your children. Enough of the people laying down 
and letting government kill them in mass after disarming them as they've done throughout history over and over again. Now is the time. It's time. It's time to realize that when the government takes your guns, people die. It's time to realize the biggest threat to you and your family is government. It's time to recognize government is the greatest killer of all time. Demand they show you the word hunting in the Second Amendment. Demand our politicians uphold the Constitution and Bill of Rights as they swore to when they took office. It's time for our leaders to read the Constitution. It's time for our leaders to obey the Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. Because a well-regulated militia with 10-round magazines wouldn't last very long. So now you know the most dangerous thing to you and your family in the world is government. Because mass murderers agree, gun control works. When you look at K-I-R-P So, talking about, uh, I was talking about why I got off the Trump train. Trump had, uh, Trump had core issues. Again, he had been consistent on opposing illegal wars, and that has massive, really, ramifications, massive implications for, really, the future of free society. I mean that in all seriousness. Uh, you can't maintain, we can't maintain, the U.S., no country can maintain a footing. You can't maintain a constant state of illegal foreign wars and not be, trans- not be transformed domestically into a police state. It really is that simple. So, again, tonight I'm not going into, you know, police violence, the way they're dividing us, black versus white. Yes, there's a problem with police. No, uh, it's not systemic. Uh, it really, it really isn't. Some uh, police departments are more corrupt than others, but it's not a systemic problem that's being used again by by the men behind the curtain. It's being used by the New World Order to divide us and, and really uh, provoke race wars. That's that's what, that's what it's all about. Again, who wins? Who wins? Who wins when the cities burn? Who's going to win? Okay, people aren't going to win. Eh, look at look at Ferguson. The people, the people win. After after there's uh, there's looting, rioting, and they burn down uh, innocent people's businesses, so no, the people never win. Who wins? The state wins. The state wins. The state gets more powerful. And there's already a push, already a push from Obama. I mean, it's been going on for years, but overtly just federalize all police. U.S. system is very good. The original system in that it's a federal system, meaning. Uh, you didn't have a central government in that sense. You had a federal government with limited functions. Uh, it's very difficult to uh, control all police because uh, the police departments are independent. You know, you've got local municipalities. Uh, you've got you've got the sheriffs, which is in the Constitution. Yeah, and uh, you know, different states will, will have state police. So if you federalize them. And again, it's concentrated power. That's the road to tyranny. The Democratic uh, the Democratic convention was uh, was interesting. Uh, I mean, I watched I watched none of that of the RNC. I read some articles. Uh, yeah, watched a few videos. But what what's what's folding what's fold, what's unfolding in my mind is this: you had Trump again, who is a nationalist 
clearly a good part of the establishment hated Trump, and that's another reason I and many people liked him. He was a legitimate outsider. He wasn't a fake outsider. Uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton says she's an outsider because she could be the first woman president. So because of her biological genitalia, that makes her an outsider. Okay. Now, some people do believe that. It's, sad. it's just like some people, even even some white people, uh, vote for Obama because he was black. That's not the reason to vote for or against anyone. <laughs> that's not the reason to do it. The reason you vote for or against anyone is do their policies align with the rule of law? Do, do they align? Are they going to respect the rule of law? Which in our country is still theoretically the Constitution, the federal, and the states have their state constitutions. But uh, you know, Trump Trump struck a nerve talking about border security, uh, in part talking about the illegal wars. People are fed up because uh, a lot of working class people. And, and this is the reason, again, why why a lot of minorities like Trump, they know the open borders is killing them. Why? The labor market. The labor market. When you already have a depressed labor market and then the floodgates open to unlimited amounts of illegal aliens, it depresses wages. You know, if if you had if you control the border, obviously the labor market's like any other market, supply and demand. You have less available workers, well then, yeah, you could offer more for jobs, but you flood the market. Yeah, it depresses wages. And Trump's also struck a nerve talking about the bad trade deals, and he's even called out NAFTA and GATT, the North American Free Trade Agreement. I don't know if he's called out GATT, the General Agreement, Tariffs and Trades, but he's clearly called out NAFTA, and he's come short for saying he'd abolish it, but of course it should be repealed. Absolutely, it should be repealed. So, you know, those core issues are pretty good. Of course, you know, Trump's all over the place with other stuff, but then... What do we see with Trump? Okay, we have this thing called the no-fly list, uh, the no-fly list. I believe it started with uh, W. Bush as part of the post-9-11 police state abominations, along with the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Patriot Act, which has nothing to do with patriotism. But this no-fly list works like this. People who we don't know in the federal government decide that you're not necessarily a terrorist, but you may be at risk for doing something that could be illegal or terroristic. So, nameless, faceless people who never reveal themselves make a decision to say, you can't fly. Uh, yeah, this is diabolical. Yeah, this is pernicious. This is completely tyrannical to prevent free people from traveling. It's complete it's completely tyrannical. So now you have Donald J. Trump. And again he you know, he said a lot, you know, he's for guns in the past, he had been anti gun, so that's one of the issues where he's been all over the map. But you know, he, he talked a good deal running as a Republican president presidential nomin uh presidential candidate that he's pro gun. Then uh the issue comes up. No fly, no buy. Ron the Bull Emmanuel Ron the Bull Emanuel, I believe he's still mayor of Chicago, former Obama chief of staff, very powerful, dangerous dude, formerly worked for Goldman Sachs. I mean, that's yeah, that's part of the masters. That's part of the people, the financial interests to control both parties. I think he made, I don't know, something silly like twenty over $20 million a year for Goldman Sachs. A lot of people make that type of money. But Ron the Bull Emanuel said uh, a couple of years back, I didn't dig up the video tonight, he said, if you're on the no-fly list, then uh, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun in whatever 
whatever, you know, communist meeting he was at, the people clapped. Or, and, uh, Trump's position now is the same as Hillary's, and he believes if you're on the no-fly list, you shouldn't buy a gun. Now think about think about how preposterous this is, how horrifically bad this is. Without breaking the law, people who you don't know, based upon evidence, based upon evidence you'll never see, can arbitrarily then and capriciously place you on a list and say you can't fly. So now. Again, if Trump believed in the rule of law, and I believe he doesn't, you know, at this point I'm convinced Trump is a fraud, but if he did, if Trump believed in the rule of law, he would say very simply, and this would have been wildly popular, he would have said, gotten up there in his accent and his hair, which may or may not be real, and would have said, what I believe is that you can't stop people from flying. We need due process. The no-fly list is completely illegal, and if I'm elected president... That will end. No, Donald J. Trump said, no fly, no buy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to play this clip here, and it's a short one. Let me get it queued up. And uh, this was the beginning of the end for me when I started to depart from the Trump train. I talked to Trump backstage at his rally about what he plans to tell the NRA. I want to just find out their thinking, because what I want, and I know what they want, they want it as much as anybody in the world. They want to make sure that terrorists don't get guns. And I know that something really good is going to come out of all of this. But is it your position that if you're on that terror watch list, if you're on that no-fly list, you should not be able to buy a gun? I'd like to see that, and I'd like to say it, and it's simpler. It's just simpler. Now, but what they say, and I understand that also, is the Second Amendment, they're depriving them of those rights, and that it could be that people are on there that shouldn't be on, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to make sure that people that are terrorists or have even an inclination toward right. terrorism cannot buy weapons, guns. Could you get the NRA to budge on this? Because they've had a firm, they're against this idea. Well, I, and, well I, and, you're, and you're obviously pro-Second Amendment. Nobody doubts I'm pro that. Pro-Second so Amendment maybe... and I'm pro-NRA. And, you know, they gave me, I think, the earliest endorsement they've yeah. ever given to anybody. Uh, I'll talk to them. And, by the way, they have, I understand exactly what they're saying. You know, a lot of people are on the list that, that really maybe shouldn't be on the list. And, you know, their rights are being taken away. So I understand that. And what about the Orlando? Did you catch that? Did, 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 did you catch that from the Donald? Okay. He uh, he openly said he wants to expand no fly to no buy. And then he said, even if you have an inclination towards terrorism, then you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. So that begs the question, what does the Donald think means an inclination towards terrorism? Is it is it a blog site with objectionable material? Is it... Uh, is it having an internet radio show with objectionable views? Uh, is it associating with people that might have objectionable views? Uh, <laughs> is it you know, wearing a certain color when uh, you go shopping? Uh, is it having a bumper sticker on your car? You see, this is all, you, you move away from the rule of law and you go to the rule of men, it's all tyranny. Uh, the, the one-two punch then for me with Trump it was a selection of Pence. Uh, uh, Governor Pence is complete and total fraud. Uh, 
he's he's a disgusting individual and a complete hypocrite. He uh, claims to be a born-again Christian. God knows his heart. I do not know his heart. I do not know his eternal soul. But I do know his voting record. And the, the guy is terrible. The guy is diametrically opposed to all of Trump's core issues. Okay, Before Pence was governor of Indiana, he was in the U.S. Congress. In the U.S. Congress, he supported <laughs> he supported NAFTA and the North American Free Trade Agreement. And Trump says he practically uh, he's he would be willing to repeal. It couldn't be fixed. Can't be fixed. It's got to die. Uh, it's got to go away. Uh, Pence believed in amnesty. He believed in this idea. If you remember back in the day, George W. Bush, uh, he wanted. Uh, uh, they never said it was amnesty. It's always, always, always been comprehensive immigration reform. You know, Pence has supported comprehensive immigration reform, which means amnesty, not building a wall, not, not enforcing the borders. And, of course, you know, with the wall itself with Trump, it's a great rallying point. But the reality is, as Ron Paul said, what you need to do is just cut off the incentive. In other words, if you came to the United States as an illegal alien, uh, which is a misdemeanor, incidentally. Uh, but then once you forge documents, that becomes a felony, which this vast majority do that. All you have to do is just cut off the incentives. Uh, no public school, uh, no no type of government system whatsoever, then take away the incentive. A lot of them goes away. But uh, it's just amazing. You know, the border the border's been open after 9-11. That opened up my eyes. I've said that before in the show. If the war on terror is real, the very first thing that would have happened after 9-11-01, the very first thing is the border would have been secured. It was secured eight years under Bush. It's not being secured. It won't be secured eight years under Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Satoro. Yes, he grew up as Barry Satoro. Yeah. Do a starpage.com or duckduckgo.com search Barry Satoro. Yeah. When he was adopted by Lolo Satoro, his mom's second husband, uh, that was his name. He grew up as Barry. People remember him as Barry. And somewhere along the lines, he was reinvented by the CIA as Barack Hussein Obama. Getting back to Pence, uh, Pence is a complete and total nightmare and fraud. I'm going to read from a New American article. Uh, this New American article is relatively recent. Friday, July 15th. New American is run by John Burke Society. Uh, I can't say I agree with everything John Birch Society does, but I know they are anti-globalist, and I appreciate that. No, I am not a member of the John Birch Society, but I appreciate a lot of their a lot of their research, particularly when they uh, when they expose all of the globalist policies being implemented at the local, state, and federal level. That is Agenda 21, among other things. Here, here we go. With GOP president, with GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump indicating he will choose. Indiana Governor Mike Pence is his vice president. Republicans and conservatives appear torn. Some critics of the selection have blasted Pence as a globalist neocon who supports the Obama-backed Common Core scheme, sovereignty-destroying free trade regimes, unconstitutional wars, and other deeply unpopular policies rather than the Constitution and liberty. Other opponents have blasted Pence surrender to extreme homosexual activists and corporate bullies last year, demanding government aid in trampling religious liberty in Indiana. Okay, so he, yeah, he, he's he. This is the typical Christian conservative hypocrite, Christian conservative fraud. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people that know the Lord, are so easily deceived. It's like, 
well, you know, it's like with Ted Cruz. Uh, he's got a Bible. Uh, he's got a, he, he, he's a Christian. <laughs> So again, I don't know. I don't believe Ted Cruz is really saved, but I, you know, I, again, I'm not going to judge his soul or my or uh, Pence's. But the point is, you look at their records; it's horrific. I mean, it's 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 horrific. Uh, you had this you had this Religious Freedom Restoration Act in Indiana, okay, and and it got through, and basically was saying that you know if you were a baker, if you were a florist, if you were, if you were a wedding event planner, uh, if someone came up to you. Who's homosexual? It's freedom of association. You can say, I'm, no, no, thank you. I, I don't want to. I don't want to do your work. And they passed that. And then, yeah, he got pressured, and and they flip flopped. Uh. <laughs> it just uh, they just added an amendment to make it to make it useless. Uh, passed by the GOP controlled in the end the legislature signed by Pence. Uh, the law has perhaps been mischaracterized by some. CNN claims it offers protections based on sexual orientation the first time in Indiana's history. Yet it seems that American thinkers are correct in stating that with this amendment, the law in essence has become meaningless. It appears that Indiana Republicans, rattled by the politically correct backlash but wanting to pacify social conservatives, just wanted to pass something bearing the name Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And that is always the game. Uh, normally, you could tell what legislation is is like because the complete opposite. If it says Religious Freedom Restoration Act, that means Religious Freedom Destruction Act. If they say Patriot Act, it means it means Tyranny Act. I mean, that's, that's that's how you really that's, that's how you know, that's the easy way to cut through a lot of red tape with, with uh, legislations. But but yeah, you know, P- Pence is a nightmare. Yeah, you know, P- Pence is a fraud. Pence is a fraud. Indeed, going back to that article, Pence's record first as a member of Congress from Indiana for six terms. And later, as governor stays a mixed bag at best, and Congress is measured by the New American Magazine's Freedom Index, which scores lawmakers based on their fidelity, uh, which rates lawmakers based on, on their fidelity to the U.S. Constitution. They swear to uphold. Pence scored 62 percent, 62, while well, better than most Democrats and some establishment neocons and liberal Republicans. The score is hardly impressive, especially concerning the fact that Pence, like all members of Congress, took an oath to defend the Constitution. While it clearly could be worse, there are more than a few votes cast that should concern Trump supporters and all Americans. During his 12 years in the House, a representative, Pence often voted to fund globalist and neocon programs that are not authorized in the Constitution, including supporting spending bills squandering ultimately trillions of dollars, trillions of taxpayer dollars, and running up massive trillion-dollar deficits for largely unconstitutional purposes. Pence also voted reliably to fund the, pan- the panoply of globalist organizations, including the UN, the Export-Import Bank, and more that undermines the U.S. sovereignty and prosperity. The Unconstitutional Patriot Act, purporting to allow unconstitutional spying on Americans, received his support, too. Incredibly, Pence even voted against an amendment that would have blocked the purported authorization of indefinite military detention of American citizens without trial. That's what I mentioned before, the 2012 NDA, 2012 National Defense Authorization Act. Why Pence thought Obama should be able to use the military to detain Americans without trial was not explained. On matters of war, Pence has also sided with establishment globalists and neocons rather than the Constitution. For instance, the then-Congressman voted to unconstitutionally surrender the power of Congress to declare war on more than one occasion. First, he supported giving then-President George W. Bush authority to wage an undeclared war against Iraq if and when the President decided to do so a war that Trump has opposed. Pence even voted against an amendment to defund Obama's devastating 
and flatly illegal war against Libya, in which Obama relied on a UN resolution instead of a congressional declaration of war. That's kind of, again, they don't, they don't declare war. It would have been a congressional, it would have been basically a congressional funding of war. As congressmen in both parties explained at the time, Obama should have been impeached for that crime, for that criminal and potentially treasonous act alone. The fruits of those illegal wars are now clear, too. Yet Pence has not apologized for supporting them while in Congress. Uh, Pence is a nightmare. Again, amnesty. Uh, even on illegal immigration and amnesty, Pence has come under fire from key Trump supporters and boosters over his positions. A decade ago, when the Bush-led amnesty schemes were being considered in Congress, that was the scheme that was floated uh, by then Senators Kennedy and also McCain and Lindsey Graham. Okay, that was that was their plan uh, to legalize illegal. That was a scheme to, to legalize illegal immigrants. Pence responded with a proposal that would have allegedly led to increased border enforcement and no amnesty. Uh, allegedly, key opponents of amnesty, though, including Trump supporter and conservative leader so Phyllis Schlafly, criticized the plan. Pappy Cantalan blasted Pence's proposal as stealth amnesty. So it's always about uh, doing nothing but creating the illusion to your base that you're doing something when you're doing nothing or exactly the opposite. More recently, this show you again. This shows you again how compromised Trump, the Trumpster is. Donald J. Trump is a fraud himself. More recently, Pence slammed Trump's popular proposals to temporarily ban Islamic immigration as offensive and unconstitutional. <laughs> a proposal that poll shows is supported by most Americans and the overwhelming and the overwhelming majority of Republicans. <laughs> so this is. This is this is this is the Donald's running mate, and 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 they tried they tried to push this on because you got people like Walter Block, libertarians for uh, for Trump, you got people like that, uh, and yeah they want to say they want to believe what now I think is the impossible, but they will look at the core issues and they'll say oh yeah he's he's playing politics and he, I'm not saying Walter Block said this but obviously there's libertarians that that still support Trump, but uh, the point is this. They tried to sell this as yeah you know, on on his list on a short list was uh you had uh Newt Gingrich, total globalist total globalist villain. Total globalist villain. He had Chris Christie, Mr. Gun Control from New Jersey. Uh he had Pence. So, yeah, he made the best choice of those. And I'd say, yeah, I mean that's you want to look about lesser of two evils, yeah. Uh Chris Christie again, complete northeast a complete Northeast liberal Republican scum, gun control, says enough. And Gingrich again, to- completely a globalist shill, totally, totally given over to the new world order. So this is that. That's the choice you have. Uh, I think I think the fix is in for Trump. I really do. I think the fix is in for him to win, not lose. Let me explain. The way the new world order has worked is that. They've given us really. They're on. They're on a campaign now. They're on a plan to give to give uh, the same part of the White House eight years in a row. Okay, George W. Bush. And again, you could argue did uh, did Gore beat him? It was close enough. It was very close. Maybe he didn't, but that was extremely close. Uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, did Willard Mitt Romney win? I don't know, but if you remember looking at the returns that night, they had it wrapped up pretty quick. Uh, was Obama really that popular the second time around? Hard to believe. Uh, and of course, the policies are what, what what would Romney done different than Obama? I mean, extremely little. Uh, so now, you had, you had again eight years Republican, Bush, 
eight years of Barry Satoro, a Democrat. Now it's time to go back to Republican. Why do, why do I think why do I think uh, Trump is going to steamroll? Well, first off, you go back to both of them have high negatives. Both of them, the voters view both of them negatively. Uh, her negatives are a lot worse, uh, and it doesn't help if you've seen you see any of the videos with her coughing fits and all. Um, there's another video that's really disturbing where it looks like yeah, I mean uh, yeah, she's having a seizure during an interview. And I'm not I'm not joking. Those are out there. Those are out there. But aside from her health issues, uh, you can't you can't get away from the Clinton legacy. I mean, her husband was a confirmed rapist. There's no he was he was. You know, check out you know do a search on Juanita Broderick. Uh, Bill Clinton was a rapist. She facilitated that. This is all in the record where she would basically uh, demean the woman and intimidate them so they wouldn't report it. Yes, yeah, this is all out there. Then then you go you go back once again to her tenure as Secretary of uh, Secretary of State under Barack Hussein Obama, aka Barry Satoro. You have the Benghazi incident, but it gets worse when she left office. Okay, while she was in office, and this is all going to come out. They uh, they hit a lot of records when she was secretary. We know about the emails, of course. She should be in prison for that alone. I mean, you see, you may see the t- see the T-shirts or sell Hillary from prison, but uh, and it's amazing, amazing. You think you know hundreds of classified emails, and a guy like Petraeus, former uh, you know former director of Central Intelligence, former uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. general, he basically goes in for a few emails between him and his mistress. That's it. And even that, those emails weren't set, sent that they were saved as drafts, and they were they were going to the same account, which is all interesting. I mean, the FBI really went after him illegally. No one talks about that. The point is, that was a few emails with one person, and she has hundreds operating on an illegal server. I mean, for her to put one classified email on that server, that's enough for prison. But she's above the law. But yeah, you know, that's out there. I mean. Uh, the big thing is, though, she was using this. Is all going to come. It's, you know, this is all going to come out. She was using her influence as Secretary of State to get money for the Clinton Foundation. It's all going to come out. It's all going. It's all going to come out. So they really don't have much more negative on Trump. I think. You know, they really they fired most of their bullets against him, so to speak. There's there's not much more to have. But her negatives are there. The other reason I think it's in is you look at this uh, this other this hacking scandal. It's no coincidence in my mind. That uh, Julian Assange, WikiLeaks, you could say it was strategic. Okay, he had the data dump of I don't know if it was 10,000 emails or so that you know exposes the corruption of the DNC. Yes, they wanted uh, they wanted her to beat Sanders. You know, she she did get over three million more, like I think, I think about 3.7 million more popular votes than him. But she had the super delegates. But they were clearly working against Sanders. It was rigged from day one. The emails the emails show it. They were working against one, they were working against Sanders from day one. So Julian Assange does that data dump during yeah you know, right right at the beginning of the DNC, and that caused Debbie Washington Schultz to resign as uh, chairman of the Democratic National Committee, and then Hillary hires her right away, which shows too that they really don't care about perception. But beyond that, I mean that put a damper on the DNC. Then it comes out strategically that Hillary that her Hillary's campaign email account's been hacked. Not the email account. Campaign website has been hacked in her records. So this has all come out the last couple of days. The FBI warned her campaign months back about security breaches. So to me, the timing of all this, I mean, this is all helping Trump. It's all helping Trump massively. 
And this is another big thing. Uh, I talked in the beginning of the show about false choices. How the powers that be control us through giving us the illusion of choice. Uh, yeah, heads I win, tails you lose. Um, having a two-party system that's committed to the same issues, different rhetoric. But the control is so pervasive is that they either control or co-opt even the smaller parties, like the Libertarian Party. The Libertarian Party. The Libertarian Libertarian Party nominee is uh, Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson used to be Republican governor of Mexico. He tried to run for president as a Republican uh, four years ago, and then he went uh he didn't do too well, then he he got the Libertarian nomination. Gary Johnson is running hard left. What do I mean by that? Hard left. On social issues, he's running hard left. On gun control, his running mate, which is another Republic, former Republican governor, is running hard left. Uh, this is this is all out there. So if you got – they have a fair amount of support, too. If, if the Libertarian runs hard left, who's that going to – who's that going to hurt? Well, it's, going to take votes away from Hillary. And then you also have the Green Party candidate again. A lot of the Bernie people, some of them will support Trump. Yeah, some of them will not. They're just going to vote for the Green Party candidate if she's if they live in a state where, uh, yeah, I think it's Jill Stein where she's on the ballot. So it, the fix is in for Trump. Again, I think uh, it's very clear Trump is going to win. I think he's going to win big and deliver nothing. But you break down the libertarian, the libertarian numbers. Very interesting at this point. Very interesting. There was a poll from a couple weeks ago. Let me get the date here on that. Uh, the poll was conducted between July 8th to 10th. That's when the poll was conducted. And it said, uh, how much? With, uh, I get the exact numbers. It said at that point, Hillary, Hillary was over Trump 39 to 37. Uh, margin error, two points, but it said the Libertarian was in double digits. I don't know if they said it was 11 or 12%. Let me get the exact number here. The former former New Mexico governor needs an average 15% of support from national electorate, and that that would be uh, about 11%. So those numbers are high. They'll go down. But still, uh, yeah, he received 12% up from 10% mid-June. So those numbers are high. When you think he's running hard left, uh, that helps Hillary big time. And this is no you know, stuff at the national level. This stuff doesn't happen by accident. Uh, doesn't happen by accident. When I said Johnson was running hard left, uh, he is running hard left. I mean, here's a piece from uh, the site Rare, R-A-R-E dot U-S. Gary Johnson's position on religious liberty is kind of disturbing. On Thursday, Libertarian Party presidential nominee Gary Johnson gave an interview to the Washington Examiner's Tim Carney. Carney asked him some questions about religious liberty, and Johnson's answers are quite frankly disturbing. Asked whether photographers, bakers, and others who refuse to participate in gay weddings because they see them as a violation of their conscience should be fine. Johnson replied, quote, Well, they bring out this issue, which I realize it has happened, but the objective here is to say that discrimination is not allowed for by business. I just see religious freedom as a category 
of just being a black hole. Johnson also expressed concerns that Muslims would be victims of religious-based discrimination. Offenders were allowed to decline gay, gay weddings. He even likened religious freedom to being uh, allowed to shoot someone because God has spoke to them. They can shoot someone dead. Yeah, Gary Johnson, I mean, this guy's scum. I mean, he's, he's a nightmare. And then his running mate, his running mate has has a record when he was governor of of, of being you know you know pro gun control. Uh, another another site, conservative dot com, says Gary Johnson, the former governor of New Mexico and current leading uh, uh, currently libertarian candidate for president, set to name William Bill Well, the former governor of Massachusetts, as his running mate today, and he did. They had a little fight at their convention, but he won. He got Weld. Okay, where's Weld? Weld is a gun grabber. He gave his support to gun control measures in Massachusetts. New York Times reported when he was in office, with voters going, growing increasingly fearful of gunfire in the streets, Governor William F. Weld of Massachusetts reversed course this week and proposed some of the most stringent gun control laws in the country. Mr. Weld, a Republican who will run for re-election next year, called for a statewide ban on assault weapons, proposedly opposed during the 1990 campaign, as well as a waiting period for buying handguns and prohibition on handgun ownership by anyone under 21. <laughs> Eminent domain, again. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, Trump hasn't, yeah, that's where Trump's been wrong, too. Bill Weld believes in the power of the state to take land over for private developers. In other words, there was a decision not too long ago called the Kelso decision, Connecticut, where they basically, they said if a private developer can get land and then generate more taxing, tax revenue than what the land is currently used for, like let's say private homes, then they could take it from the domain. That, that's, that, is, that is pernicious. I mean, that's wicked. But not only Trump agrees with that, this guy well does. So when you have all these things aligned in place, when you have... When you have Trump again already being a populist, again appealing to many, many Democrats, I don't know how many, uh, in states like uh, Michigan, states like uh, Pennsylvania, they already voted for him in the primary. Okay, this this hasn't happened for most parts since Reagan. That's because Trump is talking about opening up the factories again, getting rid of those free trade deals. See, the working class man knows, uh, he knows he's been, uh, yeah, he's been betrayed. So that resonates with him. So he's already gained, Trump already has support of a lot of Democrats already. That combined, apart from Hillary's you know, uh, seizures and coughing fits, with the massive corruption while she was Secretary of State, the massive corruption in the Clinton Foundation, all the baggage with her and her husband. Uh, and now you got this Libertarian Party fraud running hard left. So Trump's going to win, and uh, he will win. And I suspect he will deliver nothing. Politics again is essentially you know, it gives us that illusion of choice. Uh, and I'm not saying don't vote, but it becomes increasingly hard in certain races. For example, in North Carolina, I want to cast a protest vote. I'm not going to cast a protest vote for Gary Johnson. <laughs> so. If in my state, there's only three parties that have ballot access. You got the Democrats, Republicans, and the Libertarian Party. So, unless you know, the possibility happens that the Constitutional Party candidate, uh, Daryl Castle, if he gets on the ballot, or I could write him in, it would if it would be counted. If not, you know, I could write in, I could write in Thomas Jefferson. They don't count it, even if Thomas Jefferson was alive. They just throw it away. That's how that's how they control us. They limit the choices and they give us false choices. I wish. 
I really do wish Trump was real. Uh, I, I wish he was real because, like I said, uh, those core issues are good. Uh, controlling the border is good. Killing the free trade deals to you know, restore American manufacturing would be spectacular to help the country. And again, as Americans make more money, obviously, they can have more liberty. We're coming to the point, and this is really what Ron Paul has said. When I heard Ron Paul speak at Duke, Duke University in uh, in 2000, it was 2008. Uh, it was like he was from another world. I mean, it was it was. I just never heard a politician say the things he had said. He said, "If you give me, if you gave me a chance, if you gave me an option, if you gave me an option to take away either all my liberty or all my prosperity, I would say take my prosperity because if I have my liberty, I could get the prosperity back." Because what they're doing to us in America is that. They're going to take our liberty. They are taking our liberty away incrementally. And with that, our ability to be prosperous, to make money, will be gone. And that's frightening, but that is that is very true and that's accurate. So I wish Trump was real, but uh can't say uh can't say yes. I think we got a caller here, let's see. Hello. Are you there? Thought I had a caller. Hello. Are you there? Uh, I must have missed them with uh, while I was yapping. I was trying to look at that switchboard. But I'd like to think again. I'd like to think he was real. Don't see it. Uh, like I said, I go back to expanding the no flights, no buy. Uh, that was enough for me. But then, uh, you know, to me. How could you choose Pence? Uh, people are going to vote for Donald Trump because he's Donald Trump. Uh, he had the power. He ran as an anti-establishment guy. He was a legitimate outsider. He could have chose whoever he want. Uh, so let's see if we got this here. Hello, are you there? Hello, are you there? I am sorry I tried to pick you up twice. I don't know what's wrong with the phone system. I, uh, I, let me see. Hello, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, is that Pudgy? No, no, this is Naj in Atlanta. Hey, how's it going? Sorry for that. Sorry for my ineptitude. I'm sorry for making you wait there. What's going on? Oh, not much, man. I, I saw the title, so I was just checking the show out, man. Amen. So what'd you think? Well, from what I've heard so far, I understand what you're saying. You're saying you wish he was real uh, in the form of a real outsider coming with real populism, uh, but unfortunately he's not. So I, I would be in agreement with that statement. And the the scariest part about all of this is when you really look at it, any normal Republican probably would have beaten Hillary because, you know, her unfavorables are very high. People know so much about her that any normal one would have beaten her. So unless he wins, the Republican establishment now has something to hang over the heads of uh, the Republican base. And it'll kind of be like, uh, you know, Ralph Nader to where they always bring up the specter of Trump if, if he loses. So, even going beyond that, you know, you got the idea of this guy who's always run shell companies with other people's money, uh, run them into the ground, and then moved on to the next one. 
and people are celebrating him as some kind of business genius. And it's like, I don't understand where people are getting that from. So it, 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 it's, well, it's a lot watching all he's, this. He's made, he's made a lot of money. Uh, I mean, he's made no bones about the fact that he worked you know, in New York City. He'd work uh, with the politicians that you have to get deals done. I don't think, again, I can't speak to the shell companies. I don't, I haven't, I'm not saying it's not true. I haven't read that. I do know, as I mentioned on the air, uh, he does believe in eminent domain in the in the uh, modern sense, where he believes a business could take over property just because they could generate more tax revenue, and that's that's completely perverse. Uh, the the Democratic the Republican establishment is funny because he, they're really unmasked in this. Uh, yeah, I had said earlier in the show, you see the fraudulent nature of the two party system. A guy like Joe Lieberman, who's a Democrat, ran as ran as an independent because. Uh, a pro-war, an anti-war Democrat beating him in primary, but this is a guy who then endorsed and campaigned with John McCain, Republican. So it's really all fraudulent. Uh, I, I see what you're saying with Trump does when I think he is going to win, but the establishment has been exposed, and that is one good thing Trump has done because they always try and beat their base. They always try and, uh, and both parties do this. They always try and say, well, regardless of how bad the candidate is, you just have to hold hold your nose and vote, and. This has really been exposed for Trump because here you have a guy, millions of people, more people voted for Trump in the primaries than any other Republican in U.S. history. I mean, he is he is extremely popular among Republicans because of those core issues. So the establishment's really been exposed. I could see what you're saying. If he did lose, I don't think anybody would have nationally knocked off Hillary easily. I do think it's all controlled anyhow. But clearly, the establishment wanted Marco Rubio. He was their darling uh you go back to Rubio's past when he was growing up. There's pretty strong circumstantial evidence the guy was homosexual. So they like people they could blackmail easily. But more than that, they like the fact he was Latino. So that would have been the push for amnesty. They were trying to make yeah. people feel oh, it was oh, good. Let, yeah. Let, let me plug in on that because yeah. Uh, yeah. that that goes to uh, Americans not understanding not only race but not understanding ethnicity. So the yeah. people who, who really went in on Rubio and thought, okay, he's going to get the Latino vote, they didn't understand that he's a Cuban. He has a Cuban base in Florida, but the rest of the Latino community not only does not support him, but he's pretty much despised. When you start talking about Mexicans, you start talking about Puerto yeah. Ricans, Dominicans, he's not liked at all. So that, that whole Latino thing was just, you know, it was a canard. And it fell apart oh, immediately. Yeah, I was of shocked course. at that. But, but yeah. Of course. But yeah, that, that's oh, you, you, people didn't understand. Of course, of course not. That's, that, that's an excellent point. And it's the same thing with Obama. I mean, people didn't talk about the fact Obama's mom was white. <laughs> but, yeah, it suited well, their, it suited that, their that, purpose. That's a different thing, though, because yeah. in America, we have the one-drop rule. The one-drop rule says if you got one drop, you're black. That's how it goes. <laughs> you go to South America, the rule goes in reverse. If you got one drop of white blood, you're white. So there's really dark uh, people who are considered white in South America. That's a good point. That one drop, you know, it's an old, you know, historic thing that has no basis in science or reality, but it's used. So you get a person like Barack Obama who gets 95% of the black vote, but won't actually step out and give any legislation for black people or speak for black people. You kind of get an idea on how this goes across the board. Uh, You give give them your vote, but you don't have any accountability afterwards. No. Now, politics is like uh, uh, Joe Salente says, politics is acting for ugly people. And, uh, yeah, it's really it's all theater. Like I said, I really wish Trump was real. 
because some of those core issues, I mean, those core issues are great, but how can you take him seriously when he's with Pence, who's been opposed to everything Trump is running on? Makes no sense. It's all a show. It's yeah, all, it's not, all not, fraud. Not only that, not only that, those, a lot of the things that he's talking about are non-starters. Uh, the wall, non-starter. Changing the trade deals, non-starter. Like, all of these things have to be, they have to come from the populace on a local level and then rise to a federal level well, where they can't, they can't get away with it anymore. But if well, we yeah. think we're going to elect somebody and they're just going to magically, you know, swipe it away, uh, we're naive. Well, it is a fe- I mean, supporting the border, I mean, it is a federal function. But it's like I said before, the wall, the wall isn't a bad idea, but the, real, the simple idea is, again, just cut off all, all financial incentives for illegals and then they self-deport. Uh, with, with the trade deals, I mean, Congress passed NAFTA. They could repeal it. So, yeah, it's – and, of course, they, I agree with you. They implemented it at the local level, but we could kill it. I mean, they made the president after World War II a dictator, and that's why they can never really let uh, an honest guy get in the office because he has way too much power. But, nah, I mean, Trump uh, – if a president – if Trump was real, he could deliver on those issues. He really could. But I think, again, I, I see there's no reason at oh, this point – this is the problem with that. I understand what you're saying, but I'm telling you, he'd get a trip to Dallas if that was the case. If he was oh, yeah. no, no, fucking no, so agree. hard against the system. And you, no. you're, you're dead on on the immigration issue. Yeah. If we were really interested in, in changing that, we would say, okay, uh, you lose your business license for a year if you, we find an undocumented worker working for you. And if you do it again, uh, then you lose your business license in that state. Uh, but we don't do absolutely. that because we want them to come over here of to course. continue of course they uh, do. to be paid that, Absolutely. Way. I agree with you 100%. That's what opened up my eyes after 9-11. I asked myself, it seemed like you know, a thousand times, if the war on terror is real, you know, why is the border open? Because I saw, I saw how disturbing right. it was at DHS. I saw they were treating us like prisoners in the airports. I'm like, why is all this, why is all this emphasis on the airports and the borders are open? And the reason is because Great the war theater. on terror is a hoax. <laughs> It's a hoax. Yeah, great it's theater. Hoax. It's great yeah. theater. But but yep. but you got to remember, after the Cold War, they had to figure out different ways to justify the Department of Defense's budget. So you had to yep. come up with a new war. You had to find a new uh, boogeyman that you could scare people with. So you know this one will do, and, and that's kind of how it always goes. But yeah, that 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 whole theater of the TSA and take off your shoes and all this other stuff. Uh, it, it was great for setting the narrative, but it had, like you said, when you look at the border, it had no no basis in reality. No. Like, are you doing this or no. or not? No. You talk about the state level. Alabama, Alabama did something no another state in the union did, to the best of my knowledge. They basically passed a law, and they said if you're going to use a public school, and I mean I'm against public schools. I think all education should be private. But they said if you're going to use a public school in Alabama, you have to prove citizenship. By passing that one simple law the illegal self-deported from Alabama. After the fact, uh, federal, a federal court said yeah, that was unconstitutional. Of course, it was in their jurisdiction. But the point is, it worked. So all these politicians that say, oh, well, it's a federal matter, yeah, that's, they're totally, totally lying. They could pass those type of laws. They say, okay, well, if the feds, regardless of what the federal government says, yeah, we're going to stop you. Yeah, you're not going to get any state services. Yeah, <laughs> unless you can prove your system. Right. If, if they were interested in that, but but yeah. that goes to a to a larger point, which we really got to hit on, which is uh, the so-called American dream. If you're yeah. a born American and you've got parents who've been here who kind of tell you the ins and outs of the system, uh, you don't believe in that anymore. 
So you always need a new immigrant class to be the losers. So once you shove the Latinos out, they'll import a new class and convince them if they work 40 hours a week at that gas station, someday they'll be the owner of it. So it's like that mythology is hard to impress on people who've already been here. So they've always got to bring somebody in. And it's a sad thing to say, but it's, you know, it's realistic. Well, I mean, globalism is big. If you remember when they signed NAFTA, uh, you can look up the videos. I mean, every living president was there. That was a big. That was a big blow because that got rid. That put the U.S. Uh, out of manufacturing, yeah. and manufacturing let people, yeah, you know, make pretty good wages and with benefits for your life. Look, look, and look, you know, man, those jobs, look, those jobs are gone. Look, when you get rid of right, when you get rid of that kind of manufacturing, basically what you're saying is everybody has to be especially skilled and have a have a way to earn money in a way that is not going to be realistic for a whole country. If people yeah. are willing to sweat and, and break their back at a factory, that should be enough to raise a family, have a home, and all of that. That was the narrative a long time ago. But yeah. you remove that labor, any country would be in trouble. There's no country where everybody is highly technically skilled. You have to have yeah. something to where people can just go and sweat and put in a sweat equity and, and make a living. So when you get rid of that, you, you're putting the whole population at a disadvantage. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy that they got away with it uh, to the applause of many Americans with NAFTA and GATT and all these different treaties and trade deals that only benefit the corporations who, at a certain point, they become damn near sovereign nations with the, the ability and power that yep. they have. Now, Trump, Trump struck a nerve. I mean, he talked in his acceptance speech, he talked against globalism, but, again, I just can't take him seriously with Pence's at his side. I wish he was real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Pence pick was weird, but I guess you could say electoral uh, college-wise, I can see why he did it. Because no matter what, Trump has to he has to he has to win a lot of white male Democrats. He has to win over a lot of them to have a chance to win. Because he's going to it's not even gonna, it's not even going to be close. He's he's going to destroy. He's not going to deliver anything, well, look, but he's going to destroy. Well, look, Hillary's going to get ninety-three percent of the black vote, and, and that's going to be big in the states that she needs. Ohio, Florida, and, you know, Pennsylvania is kind of the battleground state because that's where that, that, that white male population is going to be up in the air. If Hillary pulls just a, you know, just some, a, a slice of that, then Trump really has no shot. So he has to get Democrats to come to his side. So we're, we're going to see going forward how it goes. Yeah. Uh, the, we'll the see, we'll see like telling. I said, we'll see, like I said, a lot of Democrats, I mean, tons and millions, uh, I don't know how many, but many, many Democrats crossed, crossed the party line to vote for him in the, in the primary. Virtually no Republicans yeah, voted in the Democratic primary for Hillary. And add to that, like I said. Did you see the DNC convention and how they went to the right and immediately started bringing up generals and started talking about, oh, yeah. you know, everybody yeah, getting together? It's all theater. So they appealed yeah, it's to all Repo- theater. Well, they were appealing to Republicans. Like, that right. was right. So, the purpose all of the theater. last two days. If you yeah, heard what yeah. I said earlier in the show with, with, Garrett, with uh, Gary Johnson, that's another fact that he's pulling double digits now, and he and his uh, Bill Weld, his you know the vice president candidate of the Libertarian Party, Libertarians are running hard, hard left. That takes votes away from Hillary. Uh, again, you got the Bernie, the Bernie voters. They're either going to vote for Trump or Jill Stein. Hurts Hillary. So now I think he's going to trounce her. But like I said, the sad thing is I expect nothing. Yeah, and let me, let me tell you something, though, man. In, in 2020, 
uh, Gary Johnson and the Libertarians and Jill Stein and the Green Party, uh, they shouldn't even be thinking about this election. They should be, like you said, siphoning off votes. But going forward, they should be just thinking about hitting these different metrics to where they can actually be viable candidates on the ballot because people are so sick of these two, two parties that by 2020, four years of Trump or Hillary, I think we could see uh, a, a, you know, a third-party candidate get a substantial amount of votes. Now, substantial could mean anywhere from 10 to 15 percent, but that's a lot in our system. It, it would be. I think, I think Johnson, as for a Republican, this is all controlled. I think at the highest levels, he knows exactly. He's, he's following a script. He's doing what he's told you know, because they want to deliver it to Trump. I think it's, it's, all, it's all fake. I think it's totally fake. No, I, I hear you on that, but there's still competing interests within the big money. So you always got to remember that. It's not, of course. He, it's know, not just he knows set, he's going to lose. Set. Absolutely. He knows he's right. going to lose. Just set, so set. it's just a matter right. of in losing, who's he going to help? Right now, it's very clear he's going to help Trump as he loses. <laughs> oh, oh, he's going to see wealth beyond what we would ever thought after yeah. this because when he loses, he can always say that they rigged it for her. And the books he's going to sell, the reality show uh, he's going to sell, you know, the, the profile that he'll have to go speak and, and the speaking fees. Like Trump is, is going to be ridiculous uh, by losing the amount of money he'll be able to make. Like it, it's going yeah. to be unprecedented. I, he, he's lost he's lost business deals at this point because you know advocating you know, the uh, you know the, the uh, ban on, temporary ban on immigration. All, but we'll see. Like I said, I think. I think the fix is in for him to win. We shall see. We shall see. Yeah, yeah I don't know, man. Those Clintons, they've been around a long time, and they, they got enough pictures in their, in their pocket as well. So we'll see how dirty it goes. Like I said, this started, though, man. She's one of the most unfavorable politicians we've ever seen, and the yeah, only yeah, way right. her, even her neighbors, is to put yeah. Trump next to her. Now, did you see the video I mentioned before? Did you see the video before. where she was having a seizure? That's a scary one. Did you see that one? That no, was weird. That. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. It's, it's for like, it's for like I don't know, twelve seconds. I mean, she starts shaking. Well, 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 it is look, weird. Man, she's a woman with no charisma. I can't think of a single line that she's uttered that's kind of memorable. So it's weird for her to be a politician. Period. Like you know, there's that weird cadence that she has, and we're going to, da, 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 da. you know, it's, it's she's just an off-putting politician. Like if she had. If she had to go out there and earn her political stripes without the Clinton name, nah. she probably wouldn't get far. You know, nah, every, everyone has said that. I mean, for years, what you're saying is spot on. She she's a classic feminist hypocrite because she attached herself to a man who would be successful. She couldn't do it on her own. <laughs> well, that's, I, that's interesting, and, and I got questions about that marriage period. I I, I think of it more of a oh, well, political alliance. She's a lesbian, yeah, and he's been quoted saying, "Yeah, he slept with two thousand women years ago." He probably has. You look at how. I mean, he's a physical wreck too. He probably has tons of STDs. I mean, he's he looks like he's death warmed over. Well, he's he's a player out here, man. He's a yeah. player out here. We always know that. But like I said, I think it was always a business arrangement, and you know they they're doing what they do. We'll see. We shall see, my friend. Thanks for calling. All right, man. Have a good night. You as well. You've been listening to Last Sundays with Rocco, PKIRP radio show. Pudgy will be back next week. Thanks for listening. KIRP radio!